you guys give it up for the worship team one more time? Thank you so much. Thank you for your practice and your dedication and just having the heart posture that you do. Thank you so much. Uh, we love you. Uh, is everybody doing okay? Yes. Very good. Um, I love that song that Jacob just sang, or the worship team just sang, and I love what Jacob said about the vision of we may not have been here for a hundred years, but God is so big, so rich in mercy and grace that we're setting the foundation for a hundred years to come. Can you imagine? I just pictured a hundred years from now, people worshiping Jesus through this church. How amazing is that? So thank you so much for everything that you're doing each and every week. And um, it's incredible to see how God continues to move. I want to celebrate something with you real quick uh, because we had small group signups, right? And so now at the Bridge Church, we have a little bit over 67 people that are in small groups each and every week. Isn't that incredible? 67 small groups are not small groups, 67 uh, people in groups. And that's pretty incredible because that's the backbone of our church. We love community. Yes, we love Sunday mornings. We love coming together. But small groups is where we get to sit in smaller circles. Circles and really do life on life together and really experience that discipleship as well. Uh, my group is, I'm just kidding. Uh, so we get a little competition for groups going on, but that's okay. And so if, if you're ever interested in a group, we can always help you get plugged into one. Uh, but today we're in the last leg. We have this week and next week, and we're going to finish up our series. We've been talking about the Beatitudes, the Beatitudes. And so if you have your Bibles today, uh, we're in Matthew chapter 5. That's where our two Beatitudes that we're going to talk about today. But then our big base verse is in 1 Timothy, okay, 1 Timothy. So uh, Matthew chapter 5, and then 1 Timothy is where we're going to be in for a little while. And then at the end, I have quite a few supporting verses uh, if you have your Bibles, you can open that up, or your uh, iPads or iPhones. If not, we're going to have it for you on the screens as well. But God's really been using this series to really kind of enrich our walk with Him. And if you remember about the Beatitudes, uh, the first four that we talked about really are talk about our relationship with God and the internal strength or the internal changes that He makes in us as followers of Christ, of the ways of the kingdom. And then this week we're starting to shift because the last four Beatitudes, uh, really the last two there really go together. That's why I say eight. Uh, but the last four Beatitudes, we're going to hit two this week and two next week. Uh, and they really start to talk about how those inward changes that Christ does in us start to affect the world around us. How we start to treat other people and the way that we connect with people around us. And so I just want to pray for us, ask God to speak to our hearts here this morning, and then we're going to jump right in. Is that okay? Very good. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for today. God, today is a gift. And we are thankful that we get to be here in your presence. Uh, God, we believe that the Bible is real and without error. And God, it is alive and active today. And we're just praying, God, that you would use it to reveal things in our, our life that we need to surrender to you. God, I pray that we would take it, not only just hear it, but live this out in our lives. God, I pray that I will decrease so that you may increase. God, I pray that you can get me out of the way so that people can see you, Jesus. God, I pray that you do what only you can do, and that is change lives and change hearts. And we're praying for life change today, that you will move us one step closer to you from glory to glory, God. God, I pray that you will just continue to do a mighty work in us and through us. And we ask this in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. 
Amen, amen. And so when we think about the Beatitudes, especially as we start to turn the curve a little bit, uh, what I love about the Beatitudes is we talked about they can really resemble core values for a Christian. But here's another way that I love to describe the Beatitudes are, is if somebody were to walk on this earth and they were to want a picture or want a map of going, how can I spot Christians? How can I spot, how can I see, how can I know where to find followers of Jesus. And I love the Beatitudes because uh, they begin to paint this picture of going, if you want to know what followers of Christ are like, what they're what they live like and how they make decisions, how they live their life, then he begins to list these Beatitudes and give us a picture, give us a target, give us a goal to be able to reorient our lives to pursue him. And as we think about these last four Beatitudes, I think about some of these questions here today. But what are Christians known for? What are Christians known for? Not only here in the low country, but think about it all over the world. Think about it um, in our lives. Think about on Facebook or on Instagram. What are Christians known for? And then let's, okay, that's very broad, right? But let's bring it into the individual. What am I known for, right? What, if people were to view my life, one of the things I like to kind of uh, evaluate myself and go in, not only, I mean, obviously I follow myself around every day, right? But what if somebody else followed me around? every day and they witnessed my conversations and they witnessed they witnessed my thought life right they were like wow daniel okay right but all these things right they witnessed what happened in our life what would they go okay yes he's known for this oh he does this oh this and this, right and begin to label those things out and i don't know about you but that's kind of heavy that's kind of convicting right it's going wow okay well let, let me let me reevaluate here god can you work not only in my week not only in my day but God, I need you every hour. I need you every 30 minutes. I need you sometimes every 10 minutes, every five, right? Like all of these things, right? It changes the game a little bit, especially if we not only think about ourselves, but if we think about what other people, if they followed us around, what they would write down, right? I remember this uh, one pastor, he said, if somebody were writing your story of your life and they were following you around, writing that story of your life, what would that story look like? And that kind of challenges us every day to go, okay, what story am I writing today? And I think, honestly, maybe the better question is, what story am I allowing God to write with my life, right? What story am I allowing God to use me as a vessel to write in this life as people go back and read the story of our lives? And so as we get to this, uh, I want to uh, begin to touch on two Beatitudes and you're going to see the first one we're probably going to spend the most of the time breaking down today. And then we're going to read a second one, which really ties into a lot of one, a lot of them that we'll see. So Matthew chapter five, everybody OK? Verses seven and eight it reads like this. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Right. He gives us his first one. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And then he goes in and says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And I kind of want to hit this second one just for a minute. Blessed are the pure in heart. When he's talking about pure in heart here, he's one talking about the layer of salvation, that when you and I come to know Christ, we receive Christ's righteousness. So we become pure of heart and holy, not because of what we have done, but because of what Christ has done. And on the day of judgment, right, when we stand before Christ, who will we see? 
we will see God, right? And on behalf of what Jesus has done for us, we are given access and a relationship with God. And so when my heart is pure, now I will physically, we just sing about it, right? I'm going to sing this song not only for now, but for eternity, right? This picture of eternity, this picture of heaven. But then we also see this indication that pure of heart means holy. And that as we pursue holiness, right, as we pursue the things of God, the more we will see and experience God in our lives because we're moving into his plan. We're moving into what he is doing inside of our lives and out of our hearts, right? The pure of heart, the things of God. And then he's here in verse seven as we back up a little bit. Here's a couple of things that are the things of God, right? Blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. This one's a little different, right? Because we've been talking about and setting this thing up where we've been, it's all an internal game, right? We talk about, oh, those are blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled, right? Now it's saying, hey, when you go outward, blessed are those who are merciful, who show mercy because they themselves will be shown mercy. And we get this different perspective of life and mercy, if we're honest, is a little different. And can I be honest with you? I started studying this and there are multiple, multiple layers from Genesis all the way to Revelation talking about the mercy of God. It is honestly mind blowing. We could do a whole year on the mercy of God and, and how many instances and examples there are in the Bible of the mercy of God. And it's pretty incredible to see. But we see this picture and I, I want to give us a couple of definitions for mercy, OK, because I think it's important for you and I to see. And mercy is not receiving what you do deserve. Mercy is not receiving what you do deserve. And grace is is receiving what we don't deserve, right? Mercy is receiving what we don't deserve or what we do deserve, and grace is receiving what we don't deserve. The thing about mercy is it's almost a judicial term, right? It's this mercy that you and I receive when we come and give our lives to Christ because I, I just want to convince us here for a second, if we go down the list of the Ten Commandments or even the Beatitudes here, there I see over and over again where I fall short, right? And the Bible describes that when we fall short, we are separated from God and that sin separates us from God and the, the Bible even lists says we're enemies of God, right? It gives us this picture of this cast, this huge, wide vessel of the, the what we see. And then God has mercy on us. And as we begin to look at this, I want to I, I switch gears and move us into 1 Timothy to really give us a picture of this. Because I think we've, we've, we've all maybe been in church for a little while, right? And maybe you're listening online and you've heard this term mercy. God's shown mercy to us. But I really want us to understand this, because this has huge implications. This changes the game for you and I. And in order for us to really understand this, we see in 1 Timothy where Paul is writing to his young protege. And Timothy is this young pastor, this young church leader, and he begins to lead, he begins to pastor, he begins to teach. And Paul writes to him to encourage him, to lift him up, right? And the thing I love about the Apostle Paul, if you don't know anything about the Apostle Paul, is he started out as as a terrorist. I mean, he was persecuting. I'm giving him that label because for us, we're like, ooh, a terrorist, right? But, but that's what the Apostle Paul was against Christians. 
He was a Jewish leader who did not believe that the Christianity was the way, that Jesus was the Messiah. And so he was so upset, he took all of his zeal, all of his hatred toward them, and he would have them arrested, he would have them whipped and beaten. We saw that he was even in the presence of one of the first Christian martyrs, right? We see this where the Apostle Paul was there. And so when you read the Apostle Paul in the New Testament, it is wild. Over and over again, he talks about, I, am a sin, I was a sinful man, and I was far from God. And he labels himself the worst of all sinners. Like over and over in the New Testament. Because once we know the Apostle Paul's story, and then on the road to Damascus, his life was changed forever because that's what God does. He changes the people who we think are the farthest and the most lost. And he is rich in mercy and grace. And light blinded him. He fell from his horse. He was blinded for three days. He heard a voice from heaven going, Paul, why do you persecute me? You know what I love about that? This is not my notes. We're just, I'm getting excited now. But it's not, but think about it. Why are you persecuting me? Jesus looks at his church and he says, you're persecuting me, right? He looks at the apostle Paul and he puts the church, he is saying, we are the body of Christ is what Ephesians chapter one describes us as the body of Christ. He is the head, right? He is the beginning. He's the one that makes a decision. He's the one that, that leads us, but we are the body of Christ, right? One with Christ. And we see this picture. And then we get here in 1 Timothy, and this is what the Apostle Paul says to Timothy. He says, starting in verse 12. Everybody still okay? In student ministry, I would like walk the aisles. So I'm going to stay up here though. Uh, 1 Timothy, it starts here in verse 12. I thank Jesus Christ, our Lord, who has given me strength to do his work. He considered me trustworthy and appointed me to serve him, even though I used to blaspheme the name of Christ. In my insolence, I persecuted his people. But God, here it is, had mercy on me because I did it in ignorance and unbelief. Oh, how generous and gracious our Lord was. He filled me with the faith and love that come from Jesus Christ. This is a trustworthy saying and everyone should accept it. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners and I am the worst of them all. But God, here it is again had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners. Then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. All honor and glory to God forever and ever. He is the eternal king, the unseen one who never dies. He alone is God. Amen. Isn't that a powerful piece of scripture? The apostle Paul says, I was, I was blaspheming the name of Jesus. I was persecuting his people. And then God said, and he says, I'm the worst of them all. But God, who is rich in mercy and his love and his grace, interrupted my life and not only the right like threw me out but yet he accepted me into his family when i turned from my ways and accepted jesus christ as my lord and savior and this is a powerful thing because i was in the same boat as the apostle paul daniel casanade running from god chasing the things of this world a sinful man if I were left to my own devices, headed straight to hell, right? 
full of sin, full of pursuing all of these things, right? Chasing after alcohol and, and you trying to get drunk and all of these things, trying to hit parties and, and trying to get filled by all of these different things. And then, but God, right? Rich in mercy did not give up on Daniel Kasnay. He did not cast me out and go, you're too far gone. No, he said, you know what? I'm going to keep bringing people in. I'm going to use the prayers of your family. I'm going to connect people that you don't even know. I'm working behind the scenes and I'm going to divinely intervene in your life. And not only that, I'm going to show you mercy, Daniel, that you do not deserve. You deserve hell. You deserve the wrath of God because of your sin. But I am going to show you mercy and you're not going to get what you deserve. And in fact, you're going to get grace. Not only are you not going to get what you don't deserve, but now you're also going to get what you don't deserve. You're going to get this grace. You're going to get this love. And I am standing here in front of you today as a free man in Christ, right? When Jesus looks at me, amen, that's a powerful thing. That's the testimony of Jesus Christ. And just like the Apostle Paul is saying here, I am free in Christ. And, and it's nothing that I did, but the mercy of God. And he is rich in mercy. And just like the Apostle Paul says, I want to give my life to this. OK, it, I, yes, I may be a pastor, but you may be a teacher. I may be a pastor, but you may be a salesman. Whatever it may be, God wants to use you for his glory wherever you are right now in your story is the same as mine or can be the same as mine because Jesus is rich in mercy. His, his mercy does not end with Daniel, right? It, is, it has enough. He is an endless supply, right? And we are never too far gone for the reach of God's grace and for the reach of his mercy. He is saying, if you will turn from that and if you will hunger and thirst for my righteousness. And we started the first one off. If you will realize that you are empty and headed to hell and willing to turn and go, Jesus, I need you. And you're the only way, God. And if I will believe in you, then you will give me what I don't deserve. And that is your presence. And heaven is heaven because Jesus is there. Heaven is heaven because God is there. And now anywhere that I go, I have the same rich and mercy God dwelling in me. Wherever you go, Christian, you have the same rich and mercy God dwelling in you. As you head out of this place into your home, as a parent, into your co-working space, the God that is rich in mercy living and dwelling in you. And my heart cry is if you don't know Jesus and you've never given your life to him, today will be the day that you could stand here and say the same thing that I'm saying right now. That God, rich in his mercy, even though I was far from him, running from him, right? Showed me mercy. Because he'll show you mercy too. He's that good. And ev listen, everybody that you know and that I know, everybody that you come in contact with in this world, everybody that you come in contact with online in this world, everybody that we see in this world can get the same mercy that is offered. And you and I become a testimony, a story, a testament, a statement of God's grace and mercy. That's why I love the Apostle Paul so much. 
Because he's like, if he can save me, he can save you. And I tell people all the time, if he can use me, I promise you he can use you. Because you don't know how far I was running from God, right? Where I was in my life and God stopped me in my tracks. I, if you don't know my story, I literally thought I was dying. I tell people the Holy Spirit was squeezing me. I went to the doctor and I was like, my heart's messed up. I, I don't know what it is. I think I may not be here any longer. And they're like, okay, let's just calm down, okay? And uh, they even hook up heart monitors to me, right? And I'm like wrestling with this because I'm wrestling with life and have these heart monitors connected up to me. And I go home and I wear them for like a week. And then I go back and they're like, oh, yeah, I'm looking at your numbers. Now you're pretty good. Right. Like you actually got kind of an athletic heart. You look. I'm like, no, I'm dying here. Like you need you need to realize like something is going on. And I began to wrestle with it. And around the same time, I heard a message because I grew up in church. I grew up hearing about the gospel. In fact, I was baptized when I was about seven years old. So I had this thought of, I'm good. I had a, I've been going to church my whole life. I was baptized when I was seven. I'm good, right? And I heard this message, and the pastor goes, you know what? If you were to put a number on it, one to ten, how sure you are that today if you died, you would go to heaven. And here I am thinking I'm dying, right? I'm like, here we go, right? I'm having this. I'm carrying this weight. I'm like, seven? And the pastor goes, you know what my number is? Ten million. And he hit that and he kind of said that. And it literally is like the Holy Spirit punched me in the gut. Sorry, Holy Spirit is very aggressive in my relationship. But anyway, uh, he's squeezing me. He's punching me in the gut. Okay. But as we're, as, it's like he hit me in the gut. And I remember I literally hit my knees. It was like, I just thought, that's not my number. God, I want 10 million to be my number. And I remember I called my mom, sweet Grammy. She's here today somewhere. And I called her on the phone. I said, Mom, I'm running from God. And I don't think I've ever truly on my own given my life to him. Can you, can you help me? And she walked me through this salvation prayer and prayed with me. And right there of the parking lot of sit and sleep where I used to work, right there in the parking lot, Jesus met me where I was, rich in mercy. He showed me mercy right there. And from that moment on, I was headed to hell. Now I'm headed towards heaven. And I want that to be the story that everybody knows because my God is rich in mercy. And if he can save me, me he can save you and I'm telling you from that moment on it was like God lifted this piece off of me and I stopped writing the testimony of I'm getting ready to die to okay God if I do die I'm good I'm with you now right like I'm secure so I'm walking in Christ and what he wants for me in my life and it changed everything because that's what Jesus does he changes everything everything from that moment on changed in my life the way I thought, the way I saw people, the way I, I looked at people. There were moments I remember receiving the Holy Spirit. And I would, I'm not recommending anybody do this. I would drive around and pick people up who were walking and share the gospel with them and pray over them. Just random people, right? Like I told a man that we were dating at the time. She's like, are you crazy? What's wrong with you, right? But I just remember like, oh, Jesus is with me, right? Like who can, who can stop what God wants to do because I had experienced it. In my life, in your story, in my story, our testimony, it's a powerful thing. And look, you and I, we need to practice telling it because other people need to hear about God's mercy and how he has changed your life as well. And get this, when we get to heaven, angels don't have a testimony. 
right? They're probably going to, oh, tell me your testimony. Tell me how you met Jesus, right? All of a sudden, we're sharing for eternity about the, the mercy of God, the richness of his grace. And it's like, I can't believe it. He showed me that, right? And we can look in the eyes of people like the Apostle Paul, of like Daniel Casimir, who label ourselves the worst of sinners, and I will 100% look them in the eyes and go, God can save you. God can change you. He is rich in mercy. And I think that's what you and I have to understand. That's the revelation that we have to have to understand this beatitude, right? Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Because anytime I feel the tension of not showing mercy, I go back to God and go, you know what? I didn't deserve the mercy. I didn't deserve that. I, I was running from God, in fact. And God, who is rich in mercy, took that step and shown me mercy first, right? And we see this beautiful picture that you and I have in Christ. And so as, we, as I shift gears a little bit, I want to give us, because mercy is... Um, a little elusive, and we use it so much, and we think about it in our terms and our relationship with God, but what does mercy look like for you and I to show mercy in our everyday life? How, how can we break this down a little bit? This is not an exhausted list, but I want to kind of close today with these five things uh, of how you and I can show mercy, and I have some uh, other pieces there. I'm going to try to hurry because y'all got me excited sharing my testimony, and, and we're going to make up time here. But as we see... If you're looking for a definition, I'm just going to tell you this here. Christians are to make known the riches of God's glory by being vessels of his mercy, right? Christians are to make known the riches of God's glory by being vessels of his mercy. And if I were to label this message, you and I are agents of mercy, agents of mercy, right? Like we have an opportunity to show mercy every single day. And let me tell you, if you and I, I believe, this could be one of the most powerful things that God uses in America in this season right now, right? Because when you leave this place, it is not a very merciful place, right? When you leave this place, it is a cancel culture situation, right? Like we, but you and I, we don't function like the world does. We function off of what Christ says, and what he has called us to do, right? To be a city up on a hill and people look to Christians going, wow. They don't operate the same way. They got a different mindset. They got a different way of life. Can you do that? Blessed are. And they, that word translated is happiness, right? And God is trying to say, like, you receive this mental shift in your life when we begin to live out the ways of God. And so the first one here is, I've labeled it here, and I'm going to explain it a little bit, uh, because we use this term a lot in our church uh, the first one is, is value people over programs, value people over programs. We use that in our church a lot because um, Sunday morning can become very program driven, right? There's a lot of program here. There's this going on, this going on, this is happening here. And if we're not careful, programs become more important than people, right? All of a sudden we're using people for the program. But God is going, no, no, no. People are the reason for the programs, right? Like the programs serve people and help them get to God. And so if we need to slow programs or cancel some programs because it's better for people, then we need to do that, right? Because people over programs. I'm, I'm going to kind of press in a little bit because I love all of us. But uh, you could even say it this way. Uh, people over tradition, right? 
Because we can sometimes get in the mindset, well, that's just the way we've always done it, right? Like, this is, this is how it's done, and this is what's going on. It's not necessarily tied to Scripture, but it's just tradition of what we've always done. And I'm going to hold on to my tradition, even if I trample over people, right? I'm going to hold on to the way, the way I've always done it, but I'm going to hold on to that. And I'm going to say it another way, people over religion, and that could probably rub some people the wrong way if you don't really define that term religion because a lot of times we attach the word religion, rightly so, to what our religion is, what we believe, right? But religion, what I am talking about, are religious acts or the things we do in order to move, thinking that we're moving closer to God, right? These are the religious acts. If I go to church enough, if I do this, and we actually see this in Scripture because the Pharisees, that's what they do. They start choosing the religion, the religious acts over people, and they burden with people over and over again. And in fact, Jesus gets so upset, he realizes this, that he starts flipping tables, whipping people, pulling beards out. in the Bible, it's crazy. Pulling beards out because he's so upset, he's saying, what are you doing robbing my people? You're putting this burden on people that wasn't necessary. And then we see this in Matthew chapter 12. And this is one we have to marinate on because this is a deep, profound statement. And Jesus is teaching the Pharisees or speaking to the Pharisees. And it says this. And if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. You would, have, you would not have condemned the guiltless. Right? Because the Pharisees were looking at people and they were creating separation from people because they believed that they, if somebody was blind, it's because of your sins. It's because of the sins of your parents, right? And they would create this separate, the lepers, get out of here, right? Like your separation, all of these things, right? And they were holding on to these different pieces. But God says, I desire mercy over sacrifice, right? Because the fair, they were sacrificing like crazy. They, were, they had these prayer tassels and this uh, apocrypha that they would put right there on their wrist and they would uh, throw out, look at all these prayers I got, look at all these uh, memorization that I have, right? Look at this sacrifice that I have done. And Jesus goes, wait a second, I desire mercy. And he's quoting Hosea in the Old Testament, Hosea 6.6, 6, and he actually quotes it twice in the New Testament. He's reiterating that again, and we see this begin to happen in our lives, but you and I to value people over programs. And the second one is, here we go, you guys ready? Okay, very good. Bunny's ready. Anyway, um, the second one, be patient with people who are irritating. <laughs> be patient with people who are irritating. In 1 Timothy, he says that God was what? Patient with me. He is rich and patient. And then Ephesians 4, 2, he says this, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. All my marriages in the house, come on. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making an allowance for each other's faults because you love two broken people trying to come together and making something whole, right? It's like, come on now. Like we're two broken people to realize that, but also think about work. Think about the situations, the people we connect with. There's that one person, ooh, ooh, right? Like that irritating, hey, there's a phone right there, and if you hit the hold button, Jason, that beeping will stop. All, everybody on this side of the room will thank you. But there's a phone right now that means they switched somebody to that phone line, and it's on hold. Awesome. <laughs> hey, man, Daniel's preaching. Here we go. Listen. Uh, thank you so much. 
be patient with people who are irritating. I, I love that verse because it hits home. And here's something about mercy. I love this. This is kind of a new revelation as we were connecting these pieces here. In James chapter 3, one of the ways you and I can show mercy is through wisdom. Look at this. James chapter 3. But the wisdom of God from above is first of all pure. Get it? I love that. I love how scripture interprets scripture. Pure of heart will see God. Blessed are oh, the, oh, sorry. But the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is also peace, loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to other. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good dudes. It shows no favoritism. Uh oh. No favoritism and is always sincere. That wisdom is full of mercy. When you and I are full of mercy and experiencing God, we are walking in wisdom as well. All right, so the first one is value people over programs. Second one is be patient with people who are irritating. And the third one is, is help someone who is hurting around you. Help someone who is hurting without, around you. We see the story as Jesus begins to teach it of the Good Samaritan. And this Good Samaritan, he basically gets jumped and his money is taken and he's left on the side of the road uh, for dead. I mean, he's bleeding, he's hurt. And uh, Jesus is telling this parable. It's not, a, it's not a true, actual, historical story, but he's telling the story to, to teach a lesson, right? To, to prove a point. And he says, hey, these Pharisees, these religious leaders, right? Jesus loves just kind of pressing those buttons. But he said the religious leaders who you would think would help, right? They come walking up. They see the man hurting, bleeding on the side of the road. And they move to the other side of the road. And they just kind of keep moving. I got to get to church. I got to get to the program. I got, you know, whatever it may be, right? Like, and they move to the side and they keep moving forward. And then it says this Samaritan, because he's teaching Jews, and these two did not mix, right? And so he says the Samaritan, they stop. And they help the man and they take him to the hotel and they pay for it and they start to fix his wounds right in the, the room would have went oh, a Samaritan, a Samaritan stopped, right? And then Jesus stops and he begins to look at the people and he goes, which one do you think did what was right? And this is what he says here in Luke chapter 10. Now, which one of these, uh, these would you say that the neighbor uh, was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by the bandit? Jesus asked the man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. And when we, you and I experience that, we have an opportunity to show mercy to those who are around us. Now, I do kind of want to uh, kind of sit here for just a second because I said help someone who is hurting. I didn't say help everyone, right? Because you and I, we have to be wise in that moment because I can't help everyone and then my kids end up go starving, right? Like there's a moment, there's priorities in there. There's some wisdom in that, but helping someone is something that we can do, right? There is someone that we can help. We don't have to take on the weight of the world. That's why we are the body of Christ. We are all in this thing together. And also, there's a difference, listen, between mercy and forgiveness, right? Mercy and forgiveness, right? Well, they're, they're, they can be attached. All things of God can be attached. But even in forgiveness, there are two parties for the reconciled relationship, right? I am still called and commanded to forgive, but the other person has to realize that they were in fault and they were in the wrong and they have to ask for forgiveness as well. And then the relationship can be reconciled, but not every time that does that happen, right? And so therefore it would be wise for me not to continue in that relationship right right because it's going to happen over and over again but if they are able to do that then we can reconcile or maybe somebody's passed away and we're still holding on to bitterness or rage whatever that may be but you and i are still called to forgive 
that person, right? Because it's going to eat us up. And forgiveness is more about releasing that to God on them, right? But yet the, the reconciled peace that sometimes we hold on to, that both parties have to be a part of that, right? In order for that to be fully, but I can't control the other person, right? And sometimes even situations, we can't control them as well. And so we have to be careful when I say help someone, it's not walking into that vicious cycle of experiencing that with somebody. I'm helping them, helping them, helping them, because sometimes the biggest help that we can do is give somebody to God, right? And go, okay, I've done everything that I can do, God, and here I can kind of move forward and try it in that. But we can all help someone who is hurting around you. Everybody still Okay. All right. And so the fourth one is, is be kind to those who offend you. Be kind to those who offend you. And we talk about America today, right? Like this is the combative nature of where we are. And, I, and we can apply this to multiple areas, right? We can apply this to marriage. We can apply this to our kids. We can apply this to our friends and coworkers. But also we can apply this even in our culture of politically and all of these different moments, right? That God is saying, hey, I'm trying to do a new thing here on earth that is above every other thing. And then he says this in Luke chapter 6 in the same Sermon on the Mount. And he says this, but love your enemies and do good and lend expect, expecting nothing in return and your reward will be great. He is saying, I know, he's like, I know the tension is there. I know it is hard and you're not doing it for the earthly reward that is right now, but you're doing it for the heavenly reward that is great. And your son and you will be the sons of the most high for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful even as your father is merciful mercy is all over the bible and all over jesus teaching over and over again and that one can be one of the hardest ones to experience right it's saying you know what but we are setting the tone we are marked by mercy i'm gonna drink a little bit of water here and we're gonna do the last one and we're gonna close because jacob is already like daniel you gotta hurry up the last one here <coughs> This is one, this is a big one, I think, that's, that's pretty big for you and I. But the, the last one here is build bridges of love to the unpopular. Build bridges of love to the unpopular. Those who are outcasts, who are left out from society, who are kind of left out on their own. But you and I, as Christians, marked by mercy, are marching into the world, into the darkest places. And here we are, building bridges of love as we go. Not because of what we have done, but because of what Jesus has done. Because he went first, right? He showed us mercy. He made the bridge for us. But you and I, we can begin to build that bridge. And I love in Matthew chapter 9, where Jesus is beginning to teach and he finds this man Matthew who is a tax collector and in those days tax collectors were they the Bible lays them as notorious sinners these were people who were literally robbing people because here what would happen they would collect taxes for the Romans and then they were given the freedom to charge whatever they wanted to charge so our tax is one denarii, but you can charge whatever you want. You can charge 10 if you want, and you take nine. And, but we just want to make sure that we get ours, right, as a Roman nation. And so the Jewish people, they were oppressed by it. They were angry by it, and they hated tax collectors, right? And they had this scenario. But Jesus, here comes Jesus, the Messiah, and he walks out, and one of the first things that he does, he walks up to tax collectors, not the fear. Come on, right? Like he walks up to tax collectors, notorious sinners, and he builds a bridge and he goes, hey, I want you to come follow me. And Matthew's like, me? 
everybody hates me, right? Like nobody wants like me. And he's like, you want me? And then the Pharisees get mad because then Matthew goes and he invites all of his sinful friends and they have a dinner. And guess who's at the dinner table? Jesus. And Jesus is there. Share. I didn't say Jesus was sinning with them, right? But he's sitting at the table with these sinners, right? He would associate with them. He would connect with them. He would walk with them, right? And he was standing there and he begins to teach them. But you and I, marked by mercy, build bridges to those who are unpopular because we are called by grace. And this one, you're going to get flat from the super religious and the people far from God. So I'm going to go ahead and tell you, uh, just, just buckle up. Jesus is our strength. He is our carrier. It's happened to me over and over again but we get you get it from both sides okay but we are pursuing what jesus wants build bridges to those who are unpopular and i love this last verse and i promise i'm going to close and then we're going to take communion together in micah 6 8 he says no O people the lord has told you what is good and this is what he requires of you he says to do what is right and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your god amen god is listening he said this is what i want he said, I want you to do what is right. I want you to love, oh, love mercy and to walk humbly with our God. But if you don't hear anything else today, I hope you kind of zone back in, bump and wake up your neighbor, lean in, hear it. Because this is what I want you to get. People who have received mercy, show mercy. People who have received mercy, show mercy. And if you don't hear anything else today, I want... I want my prayer is that you would walk out of this place knowing and understanding that you, one, have received mercy from Jesus Christ. And you can receive that mercy today. You can have a relationship with him. Or if you're already a Christian, you can remember, okay, I have received all of this mercy from God. And I am free now to show mercy because Jesus is my sustainer. He is my God. He is my lamp. He is my strength. Amen. And so we're going to pray together. Can you imagine if we caught this? If we walked out of this place and did just those five things that we talked about, I think by the end of the week, the world would go like, Ooh, what's going on in that church? Right? Like what's going on with them? It's, it's challenging me too. I'm like, okay, everywhere I go today, how am I, how am I showing, how am I being an agent of mercy? Right? Because God, you're going to have to be with me. You're going to have to give me strength in this. But first, it's when you and I receive mercy. If you've never received mercy, the mercy of God, I would love to pray with you today and you can receive the mercy of God. You can receive his plan and his purpose for your life and you can have a relationship with him. And all of it takes is you recognizing that you don't have a relationship with him. You recognizing that you can't get to him without Jesus. You recognize that our sin has separated us from God. And the Bible says if you believe that he is the son of God, you believe that he died on the cross and you believe that he rose again victoriously then you will be saved. As if you confess that and believe that in your heart, you can have Jesus today. So let's pray together. If you've never prayed to receive Christ before, online or in the room, you can say this prayer with me, dear Heavenly Father. God, I recognize that I don't have a relationship with you. God, I realize that I need you in my life. God, I pray that you would save me. I pray that you would change my life, God. I pray that you would Help me to change each and every day. And if you prayed that prayer here today, I would encourage you, there's a connect card in your seat that you fill that connect card out. I'd love to pray with you and walk with you in this moment as well because you 
are now a child of God. And that is his rich in mercy. And so I want to pray for the rest of us here in the room. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we need you. We need you every day. We need you every hour. We need you every minute. Because you've given us a hope and you've given us a purpose, God. That we are to be agents of mercy, marked by mercy in this world, God. And we can't do it in our own strength. And I pray that you would give us the strength to do that. You would give us the vision to do that every day, God. I pray that you allow us and help us to, and encourage us, God, to walk in your grace, walk in your truth. God, I'm praying that we leave this place with this revelation of who you are, that you've given us mercy, you've given us grace and rest, and I pray that you would empower us to do the same, God. We love you. We ask this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Dave's going to come up, and he's going to lead us through communion together. Thank you for tuning in to the Bridge Church Podcast. If you would like to find out more information about our church, you can simply visit our website at thebridgebluffton.com. Have a blessed day.